Hello everybody and welcome back to the Energica Electrifying Podcast. This is your host, EVJ Val. It's been a while since our last episode, but as this year draws to a close, we would like to give you some insights while we wait for the new year and the 2021 FIMNL Moto E World Cup, of which Energica is the single manufacturer. But before we begin, we would like to let you know that this episode of the podcast is powered by Octo Telematics, technological partner of Energica and the leading provider of telematic services and advanced data analytics for the automotive sector. And now, we would like to welcome on board the one and only Giampiero Testoni, the CTO of Energica Motor Company. Hello there. Hello, Valerio. Hello, everyone. How are you? How's things over there? Pretty good, pretty good. Luckily, we are in office working. Everything is going well. How was this year? Because it's been, I mean, quite eventful for the whole world. And um, how did it go for for the Energica side in general? Uh, Let's say it was a crazy year. Um, On Energica side, it went pretty well since... uh, Despite the pandemic, despite the, the, the closure we had from the Italian government, uh, we, we were able to, 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 to work very hardly. We, we, we sold uh, many, many bikes on the production side. So we are happy of, uh, of the year. Of course, we, we, we lost precious time during the peak season in, uh, in March, March and April. Uh, due to the forced closure, but uh, despite that, it was quite a positive year. And we managed uh, with uh, with MotoGP to actually still have a Moto E season, which wasn't too too bad, I would say. No, it was crazy. It was uh, it was really really uh, well managed because uh, if someone would have said that in the situation uh, that there was running all the world due to COVID, uh, saying that we would have had a MotoGP championship, a Moto E championship, I would have said uh, that's almost impossible. So great compliments to Donna and all the staff for, for what they have managed to, to bring onwards in this really crazy and strange year. Very, 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 very positive, let's say. So, uh, what are we expecting for, uh, for 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 next year in terms of uh, Moto E? Are we expecting? Obviously, I think the wish is to have fingers crossed the uh, the best season, uh, uh, like a sort of a better season with less hiccups in terms of um, external factors. So, what's the the thing you have? And uh, what's your biggest hope for next year? Well, let's say that hope is that uh, everyone is safe and sound, that uh, uh, the pandemic has gone, <laughs> that uh, uh, everybody is uh, is in health and everything is rallying as it should. But, you know, uh, for what has been this year, we, we, we will never know. So uh, let, let, uh, this is just a hope. But uh, on the other side, uh, the, the show must go on and we have to, to, to keep pushing, keep working and bringing, uh, uh, let's say, even, I would say, something nice for people to, to, to enjoy. Because uh, thinking always negative is not, 
is not a good thing. So having a show, having a championship, having uh, a, a very big uh, spectacle is uh, it's very, very important also for the people that maybe are forced to remain at home. And uh, let's say on the sh- social side, it's quite uh, struggling. But uh, yes, uh, we hope, of course, that uh, besides the, the, the global pandemic, we, we would like to, to go ahead with our, with our job, with our developments, with uh, uh, what is going on, let's say, in all the motorcycle industry. Let's say that uh, as, yeah. as, uh, sorry, as, as many of, uh, of uh, the regulations that have come out with, uh, let's say, the new developments in MotoGP and all other classes, uh, and due to the fact that uh, we were forced to to, um, to to close and to stay everyone at home working, uh, the, the possibility of new testing and of new developments has been uh, uh, shrinked so much that we decided to bring very very small uh, developments, but precious, I would say, and then focus on 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Try to explain to us, obviously, you have quite a tough job because you're being the CTO of the company and you overseeing both uh, the the development from the racing side and you overseeing all the development from um, from the production side as well. What When something like this happened that kind of uh, uh, changes all the plans and what, how hard is to you know give priorities when things happen like this what 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 what's the approach when you you know that one side you have to make sure everything is ready for moto e and on the other side you have to make sure that uh, that the production uh, side uh, goes up to speed again and put it everything together how hard was it for you to actually make everything work on that side Oh, well, it is hard, but I would say that we are quite used to it. So, <laughs> so we, we are more a racing uh, style company than, uh, than a, a big series production because for, for the way we react to external events is, uh, is let's say, racing style. So, as you may recall, uh, last year there was uh, the RS fire. This year there was the pandemic, so I would say that uh, we were already uh, in shape uh, and ready to, 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 to react very, very fast. Of course, on the production side, it can, can be different because you have different, uh, um, different factors that uh, it's not only you, but it depends mostly also on your suppliers. So it's not always easy when there is, uh, mostly in Italy, many, many companies that uh, were forced to close. And so, the, 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 let's say, the, the, the supply of parts has been, uh, has been very, very tough. So uh, on the development side, uh, we had, of course, to, to focus only on uh, fewer topics than what we would have liked. But I would say that we are running, running very fast to recover all the time we've lost. Of course, truck time, you cannot recover it, mostly now in winter time. So it's quite difficult on, uh, let's say, uh, physical testing on track or on road, because uh, uh, we we almost lost uh, six months of uh, racetrack. 
But on the other side, we, we, we decided to bring onwards all the developments that we had in mind and uh, some others will be recovered during this winter time. And uh, hopefully nothing happens next year and uh, we will be able to bring in 2022 all the, all the developments that we have uh, settled up and we have decided already since last six, seven months. So from a CTO point of view, obviously, both on the production and, um, and, and on the racing sides, now we, we, I, 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 I could say that the, the results have shown that the package we currently have um, is, is performing, like it's an overall package that works. So from, a, from an engineer po engineering point of view and from a, a CTO point of view, how hard is to go, there, there are basically two ways. Either you do small updates to improve the package, but at some point you have to come up with something that it's kind of radically different. How hard is to decide between these two things? It's not easy, but you know, when you're forced to decide, there is uh, many decisions you have to take in life. So it's, it's quite the same thing. So uh, it can be a silly thing like... Uh, deciding if you want a red or a blue bike. Uh, but at the same time, it can be really tough, uh, tough questions and tough uh, situations you find in your life. So let's say that uh, um, human being is very good at reacting. So in case of difficulties, you really have to take one choice and then follow that one. If it's either if it's right or wrong, uh, once you have decided, you have to follow that path. On this side, uh, of course, uh, I would say it's it was easier, uh, not so easy, but easier uh, as a decision. And we, we had to cut some of the developments on MotoE. We, we almost uh, cut uh, most of the developments we had, but mostly because we had no possibility to test them. And in production, we said, OK, what we cannot do this year, we will do next year. And next year, we will have to run uh, twice as much in order to recover everything. But as I was saying before, we are quite used to it. But you, we still saw with the um, with the updated models this year that there are some uh, some improvements. There's a there's a new model, the RS, and and a kit Corsa Cliente. Can you explain to us what are those uh, updates about? Okay, so RS, I would say it's a variant of our current production, and it's, a, a, let's say, a faster off-the-line motorcycle lineup. So uh, we, we increased uh, acceleration so that the bike is faster from 0 to 100 kilometers per hour. And at the same time, uh, we redesigned the electronics to, to, to achieve, uh, uh, the, let's say, the same performance uh, overall, so remapping of, uh, of the motor control and some, uh, of course, some little improvements that normally go uh, during our software development. On the other side, the Kit Corsa Cliente is specifically designed for track use. Uh, we already presented it with the first generation of our bikes with, the, let's say, the smaller battery pack. With the new battery pack, it's even more enjoyable on track, with more track time, more power, more constant power, more torque. So it's a very, very nice product that gets quite close to what the, the Eagle Corsa is on in the Moto E Championship. So 
I would say that uh, even a private person could get very, very close to what our riders are racing in the MotoE World Cup. Uh, changing completely the topic, uh, obviously we already mentioned some uh, some events that actually shaped the two previous seasons and make a kind of a more of a challenge, but that also surely some uh, good memories of uh, of this first two seasons. Any any really good memory that comes to mind when you think about MotoE in general? Uh, MotoE, I would say. The, the first, the first race is the most iconic for us because it was the first time um, in 2019 when we were uh, racing in front of public. So really, really the first race. Let's say we were making history. So I would say that is the starting point of our adventure in the, let's say in the world of the big people <laughs> where MotoGP <laughs> is. And um, uh, this doesn't mean that every single race doesn't have its own uh, peculiarity, its own important points and building also, uh, let's say, relationships, uh, our development. So also from a technical point of view, uh, I would say this year, unfortunately, uh, I was forced to, to, to follow the races uh, from home. So it was not the same as... Uh, uh, suffering on track, it was suffering from home. But yes. I would say that uh, I, I had the chance to to uh, live the two experiences. So as as a paddock person and as a private person that watches the races at home. So I would say that uh, there are different point of views, but uh, uh, was very very uh, happy to see and and to be there. Uh, watching for 15-20 minutes the races with almost no brief and uh, all the battles and everything was happening. I, I would say that, that uh, the show is very, 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 very nice and I appreciate a lot how uh, how Donna was able to give uh, to give this drama to the races with a very short and turbo uh, race. And it's, uh, I, I would say the format is very, very good. And, uh, of course, our goal is to improve uh, lap time year by year, and that's where we're working. But I would say that the show is there, and it's very, very nice to see also on television. Yeah, I I remember, because I, I kind of, with less responsibility than you, I just did the same thing, because in 2019, I was there, and 2020, I couldn't travel because of the limited number of staff. But I remember when we were at Saxon Ring, it's, it's just a feeling that, um, I, I think everybody was saying, is it really happening? Like, it, it's really happening, like, finally, after, you know, the build-up and everything, everything that happened, we could finally see the bikes on track. And I remember Livy as well, uh, our CEO, um, just, we couldn't believe it. And it was really a great moment. I completely agree with you. It was, uh, it was really, it was really incredible. So I'm looking forward to being back there. But yeah, from TV, it looks absolutely amazing. So, yeah. so uh, going back to you personally, uh, how, how was, how did you get close to engineering and motorcycling and then electric motorcycling in your life? 
what, what, yeah, what does it mean? I'd say the approach, the approach uh, I would say to the most recent part is uh, um, recent, I would say it's 10 years ago, but I would say recent uh, was starting from, uh, from racing and then switching from uh, petrol racing to electric racing. So in 2009 was, uh, I would say, almost crazy to think of something like that, but uh, it was a complete new project in a very, uh, in a period of big crisis. So the big crisis from 2007, 2008, and pushing with the company on uh, such a new project was, uh, was crazy, but at the same time, uh, a very excellent choice. And on my side was uh, 100% involvement on, on this project. So our background in electric was zero. So we started from scratch. We started racing from scratch. We started winning. We won the European Championship that was at that time. So it was uh, privately organized. But uh, some of the races were very, very, very nice. We were racing in, a, in normal racetracks. And, uh, of course, the technology was completely different than what's available now uh, and uh, much, much less professional than what uh, Dorna organization is right now. But I would say that that was the starting point of our new adventure. So we started with um, designing our battery pack and buying a commercial parts for motor controller, and other parts, and then we started developing always more and more and more, bringing in electronics, growing the company, switching from two to three to five to 10 people, and reaching then now, we are almost 60 people uh, in total, of course. And I would say that uh, the developments were made, we're very, very proud of that, and very, very happy of joining this complete new adventure. Uh, something strange, I've always, loved petrol motorcycles and switching to electric was uh, some people uh, kidding you, you know, oh, now you're playing with toys, something like that. But at the end, uh, um, I would say it's, uh, it was the right choice. It's where the future is going. And being one of the first, it's uh, really, really important for, for a company to have a competitive uh, uh, advantage on this side, so on the technology side. And I would say that now we are um, something like that. Uh, we are setting the bar on the technology on the, on the electric motorcycle. So we are very, very happy about this. And we are happy that the, the much bigger companies are taking us as, as a target to develop their new uh, the new motorcycles. So um, I would say it's uh, something strange. It was it started as uh, not really as a joke, but as a uh, a bet, and yes. it ended up in a very good project. If everybody would uh, would have told you ten years ago that you would be like in um, MotoE as a company, would you have believed it, or you just tell them, "Come on, get lost." <laughs> no, personally, no. But I would say that um, Livia Cevolini's view, she was already thinking of this uh, 10 years ago. So I think her, her uh, sight is much, uh, much longer than mine <laughs> on this <laughs> side. But uh, yes, uh, I, I wouldn't have bet it at all. 
Yeah, that's the that's the difference between CEO and CTO. Normally, CTO is always a little bit more uh, kind of with both feet on the ground. But the CEO has I need to have that vision, otherwise you you go nowhere. Um, as a as a you, you don't have ambitions. So uh, so 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 you said that uh, uh, you were a fan of motorbikes in general in the past, and then you switched to electric. You also switched to electric in uh, in real life. Uh, you you using Energica day to day, so yeah. how is it to ride a, a an electric bike day to day? Uh, honestly, uh, I had to sell my 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 petrol bikes because they were getting old without any mileage on them. <laughs> so I decided just not to waste them. And time ago, I sold all of them, so now I ride only electric. And you know, we all enjoy. Uh, petrol bikes, but then when you when you really go on it and uh, the use even on a trip, on uh, um, going to the office, going on a Sunday uh, journey somewhere like that, it's uh, I, I wouldn't go back at all. So I would say that once once you get used to what is the new technology, it's like going back from a smartphone. Uh, to an Nokia, I think, and nobody would get yeah. back on that side. So uh, I, I wouldn't go back at all. And I'm not saying this because uh, I have to say this, but it's really, <laughs> it's really, you know, um, how practical it is, how how easy it is, uh, how you can charge, how fast you can go, and of course, it's not always. Uh, um, Perfectly comparable to petrol bikes, but this uh, it's I would say it's more pros than cons uh, on this side. So I really enjoy it. Thank you, Giampiero, for the, this wonderful interview, and um, I hope we see each other soon. And um, and yeah, let's uh, fingers crossed and everything that that yes, I'm not gonna say anything about it. So I don't know. I'm gonna jinx it, but. Um, we're all very superstitious, we Italians, so we'll just yeah. keep quiet. Um, so you have a nice day. And you I too. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 And that's it for episode 15 of the Electrifying Podcast. Please stay tuned for new installments and visit www.energicamoto.com for more. Until next time.